Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, 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 I love you guys. I thank God for you. Here's the thing that's true about you. You're awesome. I'm serious. You are so awesome. You are so highly esteemed by the one true and living God that he sent his son, Jesus, who because he believes you are worth it, he died for your sins in your place as your substitute and God raised him from the dead because you're awesome. God loves you with an awesome love and I love you. So grateful for those of you who, who have been and will continue to worship with us online. Those that are willing to come uh, into this place next weekend, I thank God for you. And um, well, let me just tell you something that's not all that awesome. It's another truth, though. Here it is. Our world today is overrun by fake stuff. You can buy just about anything that's used to be real, now is fake, and pay a cheaper price, a cheap facsimile. And so I've got some examples uh, for you. Got some Van Camp's Pork and Bees. <laughs> that would be gross, man. Okay, here's another one. Um, uh, Sveg's um, deodorant smells like a wet dog. Uh, or there's one that smells like a Subway sandwich, whichever you want. Here's another, Frank's, I love Frank's. I love, love, love Frank's. Frank's, not hot sauce, everyday sauce. Here's the ingredients. It's got ketchup. It's got barbecue. It's got honey mustard. I can't read any of those. I'm just gonna start making stuff up. I can read those. Mustard, more mustard, yogurt, soy sauce, hot sauce, mystery. We don't know what the heck it is. And more ketchup. I'm sure there's more ketchup. Okay, got one more. Chunky yogurt. French vanilla with peas and carrots. No, that is gross, but fake is gross. You know, people today, they try to improve their appearance with fake. Fake nails, fake hair, uh, fake body parts, which will go unmentioned. I think I'm getting me a fake tattoo. Um, But fake is gross. Now, there are areas of life where fake is okay. You can talk about fake news with your fake friends on social media using your fake identity. That's okay. But there's one critical area of life where you gotta have the real deal, and that's your faith. Fake faith does not work. Fake faith doesn't work. Prayers don't get answered. Struggles at work, struggles at home. Life is a struggle. That's the result of having fake faith. So what does fake faith look like? Well, you can go to church and still be a racist with fake faith. You can sing at the top of your lungs, but if your faith is fake, Your heart stays empty. Fake faith is no help. Fake faith offers no hope. Fake 
Faith will not protect you or your family will not provide for you. Fake faith does not lead to the super abundant life promised by Jesus. In fact, you can tell that you got fake faith when you hold on more tightly to your opinions than you do to the promises of God, God's word. You can tell that you got fake faith when you're more passionate about pushing your political position than you are about proclaiming God's word. You can tell you got fake faith when you are more sold out for your personal preferences, what you like, even about church, than you are sold out with passion to the purposes of God's word. You see, the Bible, God's word, is real fuel for real faith. This is what fuels. In fact, if I have fake faith, and it shows up in my marriage, and it shows up in my parenting, and it shows up in my ministry, and it shows up in my emotions. I can be transformed by the word of God. This will fuel my fake faith into real faith. And now my prayers get answered. Fake faith, other people get miracles, I get squat. Real faith, God begins to work wonders in my life. And here's the deal. What we're going to learn from the Word of God that I want to show you is that real faith, it works. It works for our marriage. It works for our finances. It works for our emotions. It works as we speak the goodness of God. You can speak God's goodness over your family. You can, and that may be protection. That may be provision. You can speak God's goodness over your emotional and mental health. You can speak God's goodness over your finances. You can speak God's goodness over your work. You can speak God's goodness over your unemployment and you get a job. The goodness of God is ever at work to your good when you speak God's goodness. Here's how the apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Corinth. He said this to them. In the scripture, the Bible, in the scripture, it says, I spoke because I had faith. We have the same kind of faith, and so we speak. We speak healing. We speak abundance. We speak the goodness of God into every aspect of our life. Our words have power when we have powerful faith, and they make things happen. Now, when Paul says scripture, he's referring to the Psalms. And let me give you an example of one of the Psalms he's talking about, Psalm 103, this is how you speak the goodness of God. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He fills my life with good things. This is a celebration of what God does. He goes on to say he forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. And as I declare it, it becomes reality for my life. The problem may not go away. The struggle may not be eased, but in the midst of the struggle and in the face of the problem, I get a peace. I get a joy. I mean, if you feel like you got more anger and anxiety than joy and peace, it's the difference between fake faith and real faith. Now, James, the brother of Jesus, he took this fake faith deal to another level. He writes in chapter one, he writes this, anyone who says he is a Christian but doesn't control his sharp tongue is just fooling himself and his faith 
isn't worth anything. If your tongue is out of control, when you create a Facebook post, when your tongue is out of control, when you respond to a Facebook post, if your tongue is out of control, when you speak to someone who has a different political position than you, if you have fake faith, your tongue will give you away every time. It's an indicator of the depth of your faith. Fake faith, tongue out of control. Real faith, you speak the goodness of God. In fact, James goes on to write what he does. In chapter one, he gives us clearly this, that you get the goodness of God based on how you speak God's goodness. And, and your tongue will be an indicator as to either your fake faith or your real faith. Fake faith, your tongue brings more anger and anxiety. Real faith, it brings more joy and peace. Fake faith, it is disturbing and hurtful to others. Real faith, it's helpful and hopeful to others. Discouragement, encouragement. But then he goes into chapter two. James goes into chapter two and he drills down even deeper on this fake faith deal. He, he, he asks this question, what good is it if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anybody? Can that kind of faith get anybody into heaven? Now, some of you are thinking immediately, oh my gosh, what James says contradicts what Paul teaches. How can that be? Well, I want you to know that Paul and James are on the same page. Maybe you're thinking, hey, Paul says that we are saved by grace through faith, and James is saying that we are saved by our good works. Well, actually, it's it's two sides of the same coin. Paul and James are not in conflict. They are complementing each other. Let me show you. Paul is teaching in his writings, this is how I know I am saved, by the good grace of God. James is writing, this is how I show, how I show I am saved. I'm saved by grace, but I show I'm saved by my good works. Real faith works as we speak the goodness of God, as we control our tongue and make sure what comes out of our mouth is for the benefit and the peace and the joy and the encouragement of all. And more than just that, in our prayers, we can speak the goodness of God over our marriages, over our finances. We can speak healing in our prayers. We can speak hope for people who are struggling in our prayers. We can speak life change. We can speak employment in our prayers. We speak the goodness of God. But James goes on to write that it's more than just speaking the goodness of God. It's literally practicing the goodness of God. Real faith works as we speak and practice the goodness of God. Now, what does it mean to practice God's goodness? That's me, that's you, being Jesus to people in need. 
That's me, that's you, exhibiting the patience of Jesus. That's me, that's you, exhibiting the forgiveness of Jesus. That's me, that's you, reaching out to people who are hurting with the hope and the help of Jesus. That's me, that's you, being the heart of Jesus. If something breaks the heart of Jesus, then it breaks our heart. We become the hands and feet of Jesus to go where he wants us to go and to do what he wants us to do. James writes this way. He says, what God the Father considers to be real and genuine faith is this, to take care of orphans and widows in their suffering. Now, I've adopted two children, and neither of my adopted children chose to be orphans. It happened. It was their life, but that wasn't their choice. They would have chosen differently had they been able to. Widows don't choose to be widows. It's something painful uh, uh, that they've got to grieve and mourn that happens to them. But they're hurting people. But in James's culture, widows and orphans were the most vulnerable of people, the, in the weakest position, the least able to help themselves. And so James is saying, hey, if you want to be the, the, the hands of Jesus, then, then help widows and orphans, or anyone for that matter, who's weak and hurting. If, if the heart of Jesus breaks over an orphan or a widow or anyone who is vulnerable, anyone who is weak, let your heart break over the weak and the hurting. You see, real faith gives real help to real and real hope to hurting people. Now, um, James uh, takes this even deeper. It kind of gets it and twists it, creates a little bit more tension. Look what he writes. James says, suppose you see someone who doesn't have enough food or clothes and you walk away saying, goodbye, hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup. What good is your, what good is your faith? If, if, if I go out, you and I are walking outside together, my house, out of my house into my driveway. Um, I'm talking to you. I don't pay attention. And I end up slamming the car door on my finger. Have you ever done that? Ew, baby. And you say, oh, David, I feel your pain. Let me pray for you. I'm like, don't pray for me. I'm hurting. I want you to help me. That's what James is saying. Prayer is just empty words if we're not willing to offer help. For the hurting. Um, and if you're unfamiliar, if you're newer to Central, man, we're glad you're with us online. Oh my gosh, well, you're welcome to come next weekend as we uh, launch our public worship. But I want you to see what God does. We went five months ago, we were one church in four locations. People in Janesville were a part of our Central Christian family. People in the Chesney Park, part of our Central Christian family. Our Latino worship, part of our Central Christian family. Our African-American or black congregation in the inner city, part of our Central Christian church family. We're all one church in four locations. Well, now look what God has done. COVID-19 doesn't get to win with God. Now we're one church in hundreds and hundreds of living rooms. That's pretty stinking awesome. God is good. God is faithful. 
He won't even let the most desperate nor dark of situations win. He, he's going to keep multiplying his church, keep multiplying his church. But if you're newer, if you found us online, what I've just been sharing with, with you, this is why we are who we are as a church and why we do everything that we do as a church through this whole pandemic. Though previous to the pandemic, every Wednesday, hungry people from this immediate area would come here and we would give them four days of non-perishable groceries. During this pandemic, our people have brought groceries by. When I was here working on my sermon this morning, there were carts of groceries sitting outside. When I came back for, for church, more groceries in the carts. So for five months, our people have been donating groceries and people show up that are hungry, that are in need, that are struggling, that are food insecure. And every Wednesday, we're able to reach out to hungry people with non-perishable food goods in the name of Jesus. Um, It's amazing having a heart for what breaks the heart of Jesus and then being willing to do more than say, I hope you get something to eat to actually give. Uh, we've been collecting diapers for foster families who are helping hurting children. In fact, this, this is the heartbeat of Central Christian Church to feed hungry people, to help hurting children and to reach people who are far from God. Normally, this time every year, we're hosting with Culver's a back-to-school store, making sure that backpacks and school supplies are available uh, to families in need. And because of social distancing restrictions, this year we couldn't partner with Culver's. But we weren't gonna give up on bearing the heart of Jesus and being the hands and feet of Jesus. This week, we invited teachers and administrators from the Beloit school system. They came. We loaded them up with 399 backpacks, brand new backpacks, filled up with brand new school supplies for kids and families in need. 399 kids, when they get to go to school, are going to feel like they're just like every other kid. They don't have a hand-me-down, second use, or no backpack at all. Because of Central Christian Church and your generosity, they're wearing bands brand new backpacks filled up with brand new school supplies. And then there are kids in Haiti. COVID has been hard on that little island uh, where the average worker only makes $3 a day. As a result, parents this fall are not able to afford to send their kids to school. My son, Wilkie, that was Wilkie. He didn't grow up in an orphanage. So when other kids got to go to school, he didn't get to go to school. Didn't have enough money. As a result, when he came to America, 13 years old, second semester of sixth grade, that was the first day of his life that he'd been in school. Well, we're helping kids go to school in Haiti. We have a school that we've um, been supporting down there, a Christian school. We've built, donated a playground for them, and uh, we are going to make sure the kids are able to go. We've already sent $3,000 to help those kids go just because they needed it right now, um, and we'll send more on the basis of our love offering in September. So when you give as generously as you can give in September, a portion of it will go to help these children. That's a part of the playground um, that we donated for the school down there. And it's one of the only ways to help children be lifted out of abject uh, poverty. And then our own uh, Pastor Ray. Oh my gosh. Uh, he's our outreach and teaching pastor. Uh, my dear, dear 
uh, friend. Um, and I, I know that he is the heart of Jesus and the hands and feet of Jesus to 40 middle school um, inner city boys. And uh, he shows up to show them the love of God. They are hurting. They are hungry. They are uh, confused by the ugly chaos that keeps erupting in our country. But Ray ministered to them and Ray mentors them. And we want to come alongside Ray of Hope, uh, his ministry, and we want to give every one of those 40 families a $100 gift card for groceries, grocery gift card. And so our love offering in September, portion of it to help kids go to school in Haiti, portion of it to feed those 40 boys' families, that'll be $4,000, 40 gift cards for $100 of groceries. Oh my gosh, I love this church. I love your heart. I love that this is your nature. I love that you get excited about this. I love that this is our vision, that we are out to see not just the state line area, but the, the entire world transformed into a Christ-like community. And, and then... Let me also say, um, a sister church of ours in Little Rock, Arkansas, um, was firebombed twice on May 30th. The firebombs landed on the roof of the church, fire exploded, fell through the roof, destroyed the entire inside of the building. Uh, the streets were so filled with rioters and protesters, fire truck couldn't get there. And the sad thing is, Lewis Street Church of Christ, it's, it's a black church serving the needs of the inner city in Little Rock in the name of Jesus. They had been working um, for 10 months to completely remodel and refurbish the inside of their sanctuary, their place of worship. And they were almost done. And then it's completely destroyed by fire. All their investment, all their labor of love went up in smoke. But the Lewis Street Church of Christ has not given up. They're rebuilding from the ground up, and we're going to help them. Along with other Christian churches across the U.S., when we take that love offering in September, part $4,000 goes to Ray of Hope Ministry, to those uh, boys from the inner city that he serves. Portion will go to the school to help them do education, Christian education in Haiti. And then a huge, huge, huge chunk of it will go to help the rebuilding. Our prayer, everything goes according to plan, is that by this time next summer, the Lewis Street Church of Christ will be celebrating their 87th anniversary in their new worship facility. That's the heart of Jesus, the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, willing to go wherever he wants us to go, do whatever he wants us to do in his name, for his glory, in his power, and according to his word. Now, Here's how James closes his teaching. He says, do you believe that there's only one God? <laughs> Good, that's awesome. The demons also believe and tremble in fear. When will you ever learn that believing is useless without doing what God wants you to do? Faith that does not result in good deeds is not real faith. It's fake faith. You can say you believe. But the irrefutable evidence is in doing what God wants you to do. Did you notice that James says that even demons believe in God and tremble in fear? I've struggled with that this week. 
I believe, I know from scripture, scripture says that Satan and the demons are enraged. They tremble in rage because they know their time is short. And so they are pouring their rage out on the world. And i uh, tell you the truth, I haven't been watching much news lately. And so when I got together with our uh, uh, racial equality task force on Monday, it was the first time I heard anything about what happened at Kenosha. And I mean, I've got to be real with you. I was just absolutely devastated. I just could not believe that this has happened again. And then as the week goes on, more devastation. And so um, three months ago, uh, my brother Ray, you want to come up and join me again, Ray? Three months ago, we got on uh, stage together and, and prayed for um, our nation. And here we are again, two brothers in Christ who both love Jesus, who both love each other, um, whose hearts are broken, whose guts just, you know, just feel like you've been kicked in the gut again. And um, I think that we can defeat evil with good, with real faith. We can speak the goodness of God over Kenosha and every other hurting community. We can speak the goodness of God over our community. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.